You are listening to audio from Summit Community Church. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel at SCC Morganton. Good morning, everybody. I am excited to be back with you. Uh, It's been a while since I've been in this place for this reason, on this stage, for this purpose. But I'm glad to be back with you. The past several months, as you all know, we've been on a journey, a grief journey for myself, my family, as we deal with the navigate our way through a new reality with Debbie not being with us. During these past several months, uh, we've spent time together as a family, precious time as a family. I've been able to be with them, with friends, with family here and in other places to work towards healing in that hurt and that pain and that loneliness that comes with grief. And I will acknowledge today a big thank you to all of you. God receives the praise for all things, but God uses you in miraculous ways. And I would not be where I am up to today in this journey without the love and encouragement and support of family and friends and all of you as my Our Summit family. Thank you. All of you coming beside of us and saying, not saying I know how you feel, but coming beside of us in this journey saying I'm with you and I love you. That has meant the world to us, so thank you so much for that. Thank you for the love you extended to us as you have, you always have, and continue to do in our lives. Appreciate you and love you so much. This passage from Jeremiah 29 I'm using today can seem like a different kind of Bible text for this situation, but I hope I can connect some dots for you to see how I feel this is applied to me. It does apply to me and to all of us. This passage right here in Jeremiah 29 is addressed to the exiles in Babylon. As punishment for their sins in Judah, God was sending the Babylonians to Israel to destroy Jerusalem and the temple and to carry them away into Babylon into captivity. Here in Jeremiah 29, they did indeed end up in captivity and bondage in Babylon, just like God said they would. But as temptation would have it, while they're there, these false prophets arose up among them and began telling them they were not going to be here very long. They were speaking to them what they really wanted to hear. They were telling them, don't get, don't get comfortable here. Don't, don't settle down because you're not going to be here very long. God's going to be here soon, so don't, don't get comfortable. Don't settle down. God's coming quickly. But God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah, and God clearly lets them know that they are not speaking for him, these prophets. And yes, they, they will be, a, they'd be there a while just like he said they would. God tells them prior to this, and just listen to this, in verse 5 of that chapter, God says, they're saying you're not going to be here long, I'm going to tell you this. He says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. What is God saying? You're going to be here a while. Don't listen to them. And once again, Jeremiah tells the people what the Lord 
says in opposition to the false prophets who are only telling what they want to hear. Verse, verse 8, he says, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Colon, which means this is God's word. Do not let the prophets, diviners among you, deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Jeremiah writes to the exiles that people they would, that would return to the land after 70 years. See, many people did not survive the exile. They died in Babylon. So it was indeed 70 years before they came back to Jerusalem. They will be restored. And God's plans for his people were and gives them pr promises in the midst of their captivity. And that's the key phrases here in this passage. In the midst of their captivity, in the midst of their bondage, what does God say? Look at verse 11 again. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is saying, in the midst of this bondage, in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of captivity, I have plans for you. I've got plans for prosperity, for a future and a hope totally not to harm you. That's God's promise in the midst of the captivity. The Lord has not forgotten them and was as real and accessible to them as he ever had been. See, but there was a key to finding him, and this is what I believe is the key to this entire passage right here in verse 12. God says, here's the plans. And in verse 12, what does he say? Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What's God's promises there? He says, you will call, you will come, you'll pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will promise, seek me, and you will find me when you indeed seek me with all your hearts. Then the Lord reiterates his promise once again in the next verse, in verse 14. He says another promise, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now I ask you a question. What does this entire passage speak of in your life and mine? I'll give it to you in one word. Restoration. Restoration and healing. Restoration. If you take something that's, that used to be in all this grandeur, beautiful and wonderful and amazing, and through a period of process, it has decayed and it's gone down in its appearances and its looks, and you take that, whatever it may be, and you restore it, or you take it back to its original glory, the original magnificence of what it used to be, What's that called? Restoration. And God says what? You're here. I'm here with you. I have not forgotten you. And I'm going, to, I'm going to bring you back to this place. I will restore you. Look at the promises here in this passage. God says, when you find yourself as an exile, sooner or later you will. What's the promise? 
It's only for a season. Second one is God never leaves us. Third promise is this. We will find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. The last promise is this. God will indeed restore and God indeed will renew. When you and I put all these promises together in one complete package, what we have is the most amazing picture of God's work in our lives. The most incredible picture ever known to mankind of God's work in our lives. Now, when you think about it and follow my thought process for a minute, there are many things in life that can cause you and I to feel like we're exiles, like we're captives, like we are in bondage. Broken relationships, addictions, attitudes, sin itself, rebellion. All these things can cause us to feel like we're, we're trapped. We're being held captive. We're in bondage. And in the midst of those exile moments, the Lord is indeed with you. He's with me. And you and I can find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. We will find renewal and restoration and healing when we seek him with all of our hearts. Now, there's a reason I share this passage with you today. A big reason. Because personally for me, there's one other thing in that list that can hold you captive, hold you prisoner, hold you in bondage. That thing is grief. Grief can hold you in a place of bondage. Grief is the very thing that caused me to feel like an exile. Grief is the thing that caused me to find myself feeling like I was in bondage and in captivity. You know, I found myself in this journey, and by the way, I don't stand here with you saying I've arrived, but I say I'm on my way. I found myself in a range of emotions, hurt, bitterness, frustration, anger, and being quite honest, yes, even rage. Now, I promise you, I've not hit anybody, but I've hit a bunch of stuff that didn't need to be hit. And I will say I do feel like they're quite normal in the moment. But none of them were, have been very healthy for me. During my leave of absence, I've been spending time with my kids, with freedom to be in Charlotte, with Caleb and his family and Raleigh, with Josh and all of his friends, being here with Jordan, being with my extended family, being with friends, being able to go places where Debbie and I have been together to relive some of those memories we've made together and to make new memories and search for healing. And I did believe in the beginning of my journey that I believe it will continue on. Those journeys to places where she and I have shared wonderful memories are a huge part of the healing process, to relive those memories and make new memories in the process. There are more memories to relive and more memories to make with family and friends in other places where David and I have been. We've had so many, so many amazing times together. But today I want to share with you about one specific point in this journey so far where I feel like I really did, I did find myself turning the corner. I don't think I took many steps around the corner, but I did turn the corner in this grief journey to say I was on a different pathway 
And it was one of those trips that I took during this time. Right after Easter, I flew down to Clearwater Beach, Florida. One of Debbie's friends, one of her best of friends from childhood up and 12 years old up when they moved to Clearwater, Florida, Clearwater Beach, Stella. They've been best friends from middle school, sixth grade on. They invited me to come down, and then the, her family was like second family to Debbie. So her mom and dad are in their late 80s, and I knew how important they were to Debbie and Debbie to them. So I called and said, I want to take up your invitation to come down, and still I want to pour into your family, your parents, and tell them how grateful I am for what they meant to Debbie and Debbie meant to them, just to bring them in on the story and tell them personally thank you. That was my intent for going. So right after Easter, I planned the trip, got it together, and was going. I had no clue, no idea that that trip had more in store for me than just visiting with Stella's parents and saying thank you, but it did. Before I left, I was on Amazon, and I was looking at something, and something came across my radar, and it was a book. It was a book entitled Pray First by Chris Hodges. And I saw the cover. The cover grabbed me because it had all these negative emotions at the top crossed out in red. Then at the bottom it said, pray first, circled. Now you probably look at me saying, a pastor's got to be reminded to pray first. I'm going to say, yep, absolutely. I was intrigued by the cover, and I read the back cover, and then I read some comments. I said, man, I need to grab this book before I go. I got the book, and I took it with me. And I've been reading it. Chris spends the first half of the book explaining why we should pray, why we don't pray. Then the second half is models of prayer in Scripture. And while I was there, I was reading the book, and I went on several walks on the beach. You can't be at the beach and not walk, right? So I was walking on the beach several times, and one particular day, I just finished reading the prayer of Moses, that model of prayer in Scripture in this book. That model basically walks you through the stages of the tabernacle. He, he paints this vivid picture of walking into the very entrance of that tabernacle, working your way through every stage to the very presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And he clarified how, what that means in the Old Testament. But then Chris did an amazing job bringing it forward to present day, what it means for us as believers in Christ. Sacrificial system gone now in Christ. Here's what it means for us. And that prayer model walks you through the stages of the tabernacle, symbolizing the entrance with thanksgiving and praise, the altar, restoration at the cross, the lava, this clean and consecrated hearts, the candlestick is a life open to the Spirit. The table of showbread is nourished by God's promises. The altar of incense is reverence, adoration, and worship. The mercy seat is intercession. Then you've arrived at the Holy of Holies in the very presence of God, the Holy God Almighty. And so, on this particular walk, in this one morning, I'd walk several times, and every walk was a walk to reminisce and remember. I was reminiscing about Debbie being from Clearwater, Florida, and I was remembering several walks we made on that same beach together, walking towards that same pier several different times. But this morning was different. I just finished reading this prayer of Moses in the book. And as I was walking, I began thinking about that model of prayer. 
And as I was thinking about that model of prayer, I began praying through that model, and I believe with all my heart, I forgot some steps in it, but I tried as best I could remember several things, but I was working my way through the ones I remembered. And all of a sudden, I found myself in my heart and my spirit was so, like, just at that place. And here I am walking in the water as you do on the Gulf Coast. There's no waves. The water was just sloshing back and forth. But I'd be in it for a moment, out, back in for a moment as it came in and out. I could hear it. The wind was brisk against my face. I could feel it. And when I found myself at that place in the prayer, I found myself in a place of two things. Submission and surrender where I had not been in a really long time. And several key things happened as I began that section of the prayers I was walking. First was this. As I listened to and watched and felt the wind, the water go in and out, felt the wind in my face, for the first time in a long time, I acknowledged that everything is in God's control. This water is sloshing back and forth the winds against my face, all because of God's control of the universe. That I'm walking as I'm walking because the, we're turning just like we're supposed to, spinning like we ought to, and it's all under God's control. It's in God's plan. That grandeur of that moment, I realized, I said, God, all of these things happen according to your plan. And I told God, for the very first time, I said, God, I truly acknowledge with all my heart, I do know that Debbie being with you is your perfect plan. I still say I don't like it. I still tell you it hurts, but I do acknowledge everything's in your plan. That is in your plan. That's the first time that came off my lips because I didn't want to admit that. I didn't want to admit the song request I've made to the worship team, God is in this story. God's in the detail. I was bitter. I was hurt. I was angry. For the first time, I said, God, I know that her being with you is a part of your plan. Second, in that being God's plan, I said, God, I, I need to, I'm begging you for something right here and right now. I'm begging you. Please give me, as a gift, the same peace that Debbie's experiencing with you in your presence. I need that same peace in my life. Because I said, God, I, I, I've tried and I can't find it. All I'm coming up with is hurt and anger, bitterness and rage is all I've got in me. You've got to give it to me because I can't find it. And I've been searching. Help me. Now, fast forward a moment in the walk. On one of the days I was there, I got a phone call from one of Caleb's friends, and she said, I think Debbie's Facebook profile might have been used because I just got a friend request from Debbie. I said, oh. So I tried to, to deactivate her account, and I couldn't. It was reading my phone in Clearwater, Florida. It wouldn't do it. So I called Jordan, and I said, Jordan, can you see if you can get into Mom's phone on her app, on her phone, see if you can deactivate her account until we figure out what's going on? She said, okay. She she tried. And when I got home on that Monday, here I am asking God for peace. I get home on that Monday and she and I are catching up in her room and 
She said, Dad, I tried to deactivate Mom's Facebook account, but it wouldn't. I couldn't get in and do it. it I couldn't do it. I said, okay. She said, but I read some of Mom's messages on her phone. I said, well, good. And she said, Dad, you know what? She said, Mom was so much more at peace with all this, what we ever knew. I said, babe, I kind of knew that, pumpkin, but your mom was all about protecting us. I, I knew that, but I, I knew it kind of. I knew it down here, but Debbie's all about protecting everybody else around her. If you'd call Debbie on any particular day and you say, hey, Deb, just checking with you. How you doing? Always, I'm good. How are you? Knowing good and well that many of those times it was not a good day. She's trying to protect you. She's trying to protect us. And Jordan said, Dad, you need to read one message to, message to Mom from, from Donna, who is a nurse at Dr. Williams' office. They're like, our, they're like family to us, being 12 years in treatment. Donna and, she, Donna and us are very close, as we are with all of them. Donna was texting Debbie there in the hospital. And she was asking Debbie the technical nursing questions about what are they doing, this kind of thing. And Debbie was telling her they, well, they can't operate, or they're trying to tube. And... It's uh, sort of a last-ditch effort, probably not going to help, but that's all we've got. And then Donna chimes in on the message thread, which was pretty long. She says, Debbie, you've been hurting and in pain for so long. You deserve to be set free from this. Debbie's response was, I know, and I'm good with it all. I'm at peace with everything. And I told Jordan, I said, the one thing, one of the things I was praying for on my walk there on the beach, I get home and here's confirmation from your mom through her messages that that peace is there. So I said, God, please give me that same peace. And I had a sort of a confirmation of that peace. Just knowing the thing I prayed for, here it was, that Debbie had it all along. There was a third part of that prayer that moved me. Was third part of the prayer was my life moving forward. And I'd never been at that place of surrender either. And um, I told God as I was walking again, I said, God, while I acknowledge that as hard as it is, again, Debbie being with you is a part of your plan. So here I am. So me being here still has got to be a part of your plan too. And I said, God, in this strange place that I find myself right here, right now, there's this weird freedom and flexibility in my life I've never had before. And I said, God, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what my life looks like. And I said, I would trade that back to you tomorrow to have her back. But I can't. So here I am. I told God that I would give it back, but I didn't know how to do that. I couldn't. So here it is. I said, God, my life has totally turned to 180. And I don't know what my life looks like moving forward. I said, God, you know, my life might not change, but it might totally change. I just don't, I don't know. I said, God, I surrender. At this moment right here, right now, I surrender to what you have for me. And I'm asking you, like I ask you for peace, I'm asking you to write my story. Because it's blank. These chapters of 35 years of my life, Debbie and I together, were so amazing, so incredible. They've been written, and it was I never saw this coming. 
And here it is. I turned to 180 and everything's blank. So God, I'm begging you. I'm asking you to write my story for me. For me. Fill in the blanks. Fill in the pages. So whatever you've got, God, I'm available. I'm going to stand by. I'm listening and I'm ready to follow. Because I really don't know. And I look back and I said, God, you know what? David and I have always lived our lives in total submission and in total surrender to follow you where you led us. And I'm definitely not going to stop now. For the longest time in this journey so far, I've been held captive. That hurt, the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the frustration, all those things. But at that moment on the beach, in that acknowledging God's plan and praying for that peace, asking for that peace. And I got to be honest, probably for a long time in this journey, I didn't want peace. I wanted to be angry. I wanted that. But I found a place at that time and said, I, God, I, need, I want this peace. I need this peace in my life. Then third is about my life moving forward. God, I don't know what this looks like. Help me fill it in. God's in the details. God's in this story. At that moment on the beach for the first time, I found myself in a place where I was aware in a fresh and new way that God was and always had been with me. For the first time in a long time, as the scriptures we read just a moment ago, I finally was seeking God with all my heart. Finally. Look at the process through the passage today. For me personally, I felt like I was a captive. I was in bondage to my negative emotions. God promised restoration. He promised he would bring me back. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When it's completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I'll fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this, restore you to this place. God promised restoration. God promised he has a plan for me as he does all of you. A plan for prosperity and hope and a future. For I know the plans I have for you. Even these plans moving forward where it's blank pages right now, i got a plan, a prosperity and hope and a future, not to harm you. That's God's that word. God promised that I and you and all of us can find him when we seek him with all of our hearts in total submission, total surrender. Verse 12 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Promise. Promise you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Promise I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You see, my bondage that started all this was not a sin in my life. My bondage is grief. What's yours? God was and always has been faithful in our lives. I felt like that entering this leave of absence, these kind of things would help, and they have proven very helpful. And I know there's more places with more amazing friends and family to revisit memories and make new memories moving forward. And I'm looking forward to those because it is a journey. I have yet to arrive. I'm just on a journey. But Clearwater Beach was indeed a first and a beginning for that process to move forward. 
Now quickly, look at how this works. You find yourself as a captive. So what happens? God promises that he will bring you back. God promises he's always with you and has a plan full of prosperity and hope and a future. God promises that when you seek him with all your heart, he says you will indeed find him. You will find him. It's amazing to see this journey in our family and our friends as well. I'll share quickly something that Jordan shared with me just about two weeks ago. She shared with me, she said, Dad, did I tell you about my experience the other night? She called me from work. I said, no. And she said, I was in my room, and she said, I had not read my Bible in a while. I said, I'm with you. I understand. She said, I really felt compelled. I needed to. She said, but I didn't know where to start. So I closed my eyes, and I grabbed my Bible, and I laid it there. Now, this can be dangerous, so I, I get it, but it proves fruitful at times. She said she just closed her eyes, and she, she let the Bible open. And it opened up to Psalm 28 and 29 and 30. She said, my eyes went to Psalm 30. That's where I focused. I said, well, that's my mom's verses in there. She said, which one? I said, verse 2. It says, oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. She said, no, mine was at the end. Mine was at the end. And I said, really? And I tried to remember, and I said, oh, yeah. And we, we talked about it on the phone, about what the verse says. Now, I've had to find it because mine didn't fall there. But this was her word for her in this healing process. It says, you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. And she said, Dad, later that evening, I just had this wonderful vision of Mom in a field full of beautiful flowers in Jesus' presence, so full of joy, so full of peace. God is in his story. A story that continues to be written. I can't tell you what tomorrow says, but I can say today, right here, right now, I do know and I acknowledge God's in this story. Let me ask you a question. Are you in bondage today? Is there something in your life that's holding you captive? A habit? A hurt? A hang-up? An emotion that's got you all tangled up inside? What is it? Some negative emotions consuming you? Mine was grief. And if I return one day, it's grief. What's yours? What is it that's possibly holding you captive that you need to bring to God and seek God with all your heart to have Him restore you to what He's made you to be, to where you can truly find Him in that moment? Because I promise you this, God is in my story. God is in my family's story. And I know this, 
God is in your story. Tell God what it is today. Pour it out to Him. Let Him bring you to restoration and healing and find Him by seeking Him with all your heart. Let's pray before we stand and sing. Father in heaven, we praise you, love you. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Even in the worst of times, thank you that you're there. You're, you're there with us. Thank you, Father, for promising that you're in our story, that you're in the details. As hard as that is to admit, thank you that you're there. God, I tell you to write my story. I'm begging you for everyone here that they would find that place of freedom to acknowledge you're in their story, and God, you would write their story for them, that we would all find that place of submission and surrender in our hearts and in our lives. Miraculous things take place when we practice those two things, and I thank you for those. Thank you, Father, for walking with us in this life. We love you. We do praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Summit Community Church, please check out our website at summitchurch.me or on social media on Facebook or Instagram at SCC Morganton.